all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and our skincare should be an important part of our daily routine. So today we have Dr. Christy Hurt on with us. She is a dermatologist in the metro area, and she's going to be talking to us about different topics regarding our skin, including preventing skin cancer, as well as other common skin questions. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call and ask us anything about skin. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, so today we have Dr. Christy Hurt. She is a local dermatologist, and she's going to be talking to us today about our skin. So we're going to talk about preventing skin cancer, what we can do for that, and how to monitor for that, as well as all other common skin issues. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call and ask any of your skin questions that you may have. Call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So thank you, Dr. Hurt, for coming on with us today. Thank you, Dr. McLeod. So uh, May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and so I thought it would be a good topic to talk about because that affects everybody. Um, And like we were just talking about before we came on the air, a lot of our damage is done when we're younger, when we are kids and teens and we're not wearing our sunscreen (laughs) and we have to deal with it as we get older. And so um, so I just kind of wanted to talk about it today. What are some things we should be looking for and how do you get diagnosed with skin cancer? And most importantly, what can we do to prevent it? So um, first things first, what are some of the common skin cancers that we see? Because melanoma is one that we all think about, but there are probably some that are a little more common than that. Yes, absolutely. So the most common type we see is called basal cell carcinoma. And these generally occur in sun-exposed areas. Um, They do generally um, start to show up in the later decades, say, really any time past your 40s, 50s. I see them in those patients, um, but really get more and more common with age just because it's mostly due to sun exposure, and that just accumulates over time. Mm -hmm. Um, Second most common is squamous cell. Um, thankfully, basal cell, it grows locally, but is very unlikely to spread to other parts of the body. So when we do catch it, we surgically remove it most of the time, and that is a cure for basal cell. Squamous cell has a slightly higher chance of spreading beyond where it initially grows, so we do take that very seriously. But as you mentioned, uh, melanoma is the one with the highest chance of spreading beyond the skin to the lymph nodes, to the organs of the body, and, and can be fatal. So we really watch out for that one as closely as we can because we know if caught early, it has a really great survival rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when it melanoma gets to that stage, I, I see that a lot on the internal medicine side of things. Um, there's not much good medicines out there for it. Chemotherapy doesn't really work well for melanoma. So that is true, although thankfully with research and with newer treatments that have come out, I'd say in the last five to 10 years, 
Um, they're now using immunotherapy mm -hmm. to target melanoma. And um, depending on certain things about your melanoma, the genetics of it and those kind of things, there are some targeted therapies that are very good for certain patients. We just don't have a cure-all for right. melanoma right. for sure. Yep. Well, looks like we have a caller. So we'll go first to John. Thanks for calling, John. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, just a quick question here. Um, come from a long line of red-haired, fair-skinned uh, people. Uh, my my mother was. She actually died of melanoma in her 30s. Oh, my sorry. wife is also uh, red-haired and fair-skinned. And so we have a red-haired, fair-skinned son. So we, we always do a really good job about keeping the sunscreen on him. Mm -hmm. But my question is this. Go to the store and you see, like, you know, sunscreen for kids um he's three years old is there really any difference in the sunscreen for kids and the sunscreen for adults or is you know is the one we use just fine for him i mean i'm sure any is better than none but i'm just you know trying to get get a gra uh, grasp on this uh kid's uh sunscreen i'll hang up and uh you can uh, answer the question over the phone Okay, sure. That is just a great question and great scenario because I, I see patients like you in clinic every day. And because of greater awareness, parents are so much um, just more concerned about their kids now and, and what can they do to help the kids do well as they get older. Um, so your question about sunscreen is also a good one. Uh, there, the Academy of Dermatology recommends that you choose a sunscreen that is at least an SPF 30 or higher. Um, typically, we don't apply a sunscreen as thickly as they do when they test them and give them their rating. And so you almost want to think about it having half the rating that it says. Mm. So because we don't put it on quite as thick as they do, you can think about a 30 kind of almost acting like a 15. So for me, for kids, I want to see them in like an SPF 60. Um, and also for adults that are sensitive skin, like you and your wife sound like you are. Um, th the difference between kids sunscreen and adult often is um, whether you have what's called a physical sunscreen or a chemical sunscreen as your active ingredient. Um, kids tend to do better with physical sunscreens, which don't really soak in as much. They sit right on the surface and just help block. If you think about old, um, you know, the old white pasty sunscreen, uh, they've made it much nicer now, but the same ingredient still works. It's called zinc oxide. So what I tend to do for kids is have the have you turn the bottle over, look for where it says active ingredients, and try to choose one that has zinc oxide or the other one is called titanium dioxide. Those two are the physical blockers that are, are best for kids or for other patients who have sensitive skin. If you see other ingredients, they're going to be chemicals, and they do help broaden the spectrum for adults and, and have some other purposes, but for kids, it's best to stick to zinc and titanium dioxide. That often will be either packaged for kids or it'll be packaged as a sensitive skin sunscreen. Um, but you still have to look at the back of the bottle because you don't always know what they've snuck in there um, with those active ingredients. So that's my, my go-to advice for that. And um, that'll, that'll be great for your son. Um, and we'll probably talk about some other sun protective ideas soon. Yeah. So thank you for your call, John. We have Dr. Christy Hurt with us. She is a dermatologist in the metro area, and she's talking to us today about the importance of taking care of your skin and preventing skin cancer, as well as any common skin concerns that we have. And we'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So I think sunscreen is probably one of the most important things we can do um, in our daily routine for our skincare. And that I know I did not do growing up. Now, every day I put in a moisturizer in my face that has sunscreen on it. And it's it's important that we should consider that almost every day. Right. That's absolutely true. So um, 
really as early as you can get um, kids, teenagers to start with that step, um, wash your face, put on a good moisturizer that has the built-in sunscreen. Those mostly are going to be an SPF 30, and that's Mm -hmm. probably fine for daily use. So there you're just um, protecting yourself against that, what we call incidental sun exposure between the the car and the school, the car and the grocery store, Mm -hmm. just every day kind of walking through as well as driving in the car because Mm -hmm. we know a lot of UV comes straight through our glass windows in our vehicles. So um, that's that's really a great step. And for ladies in particular, (laughs) we know that that also helps prevent some signs of aging, Mm -hmm. which um, tends to be a big concern that I address in clinic as well. Yeah. So when can you start using sunscreen? Okay, so that I'm glad you asked that because I, I do get asked that a lot. For a long time, there were recommendations that you didn't put sunscreen on a baby less than six months of age. Um, but the physical sunscreens I talked about earlier, the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, are very safe for, for young kids. I will say that there's really no good reason to have a small baby out in the sun for a long, you know, long periods of time. They really have such delicate, sensitive skin that they need to be kept in the shade. They also overheat easily, and so you just don't, you can't treat them like you would a child that can run and play out in the full sun. So they need to be under the umbrella. They need to wear their sun hats. Um, thankfully, the swimsuits with the little rash guards and a little bit more covering have come in to be more popular as we've you know, kind of realized how important it is at that young age to keep them from getting sunburned. So um, I do think it's okay to do kind of limited amounts of sunscreen in even small infants if you are going to have to be outside. But the main thing is just don't expose them to that risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things is always have if you're going to the beach or if you have older kids that play baseball or soccer, you know, always have an umbrella. I think that's one of the biggest things is trying to provide that shade and the protection from the sun so that you don't have to lather them up with sunscreen. Um, Just keeping them cool and in the shade is one of the biggest things. We've got another caller. So we'll go next to Shan. Um, Hi. Hey, thanks for calling today. Thanks for being there. I have a question. I'm 65 and stayed out in the sun and ruined my skin. And I have all these brown spots. Is there anything other than laser treatments like over-the-counter that really works? That's a great question. And uh, you just sound like patients I see in clinic every day over uh, at Magnolia Dermatology in Clinton, where we are. Um, So unfortunately, there's no easy fix for reversing some of that early sun damage that you got growing up. But um, if you know, if you come in, there are some prescription strength bleaching or fading creams main ingredient there being one called hydroquinone and you can find that over the counter in typically about a one percent but when we prescribe it when we feel like it's necessary or or helpful it's going to be much higher say an eight to ten percent strength and so if you are really interested in in treating those i do recommend laser to me that is the best and we do have a a laser called an ipl that treats that very nicely Um, but the the uh, the prescription strength bleaching or fading uh, creams can be helpful as well Um, ingredients like vitamin c are also helpful for brightening the skin and lessening some of that sun damage look Um, so you know we carry those and those sometimes can be found um, over the counter as well okay can you give me the ingredient i do dog rescue so that's where my money goes until i think i have enough money to come and buy the prescription sure sure well you know to be honest often that prescription is is um gonna run you a similar price so often it's going to be between 25 and 50 dollars for that prescription oh that's great we have it compounded um at a pharmacy locally and that's um about where you are and usually those tubes last a fair amount of time because you don't have to use much of it you don't use much about the size of a pea so i would give it you know say they last about uh, three months probably Well, that's wonderful. Okay, Mm -hmm. I can see a dermatologist. Thank you for being there. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for your call. So we'll take a quick break, but we have Dr. Hurt on with us. She is a dermatologist, so we're talking about skin care and preventing skin cancer as well as any skin issues that you may have. So we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have Dr. Christy Hurt in with us. She is a local dermatologist and she is talking to us today about preventing skin cancer and your skin care and answering any of your skin issue questions that you may have. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can also send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we've got another caller, so we'll go to Lauren. Thanks for calling, Lauren. So much for taking my call. I have sebaceous hyperplasia, and I go to the dermatologist once or twice a year, and he, he uses the electrocautery and cauterizes those. And then I go back, and he does the same one. Is there no cure for these? I, I sense your, your frustration, <laughs> and I, I share it a little bit because there is no cure for those. And just for those of you listening that don't know what sebaceous hyperplasia is, it's generally just a, an enlargement of oil glands where you can start to see them kind of protrude from the skin. Um, it's not dangerous to you, but it's not um, cosmetically uh, the best thing to have. So in my clinic, um, again, we sometimes I'll use the liquid nitrogen spray, which as a similar uh, method of just kind of um, causing just enough damage to the surface to kind of peel away that extra oil gland there. Um, we have a laser that treats that also. Um, and then what you've had done before, that electrocautery is certainly a method that is is used. There is one thing I tend to do for patients when they come in with this and add a prescription medicine um, called Tazerac, which is actually an acne medicine. But uh, we know oil glands play a big role acne and it can help shrink those down a little bit in the skin so that over time you may be able to have less of those um, come up and be noticeable. Been there, done that with the Tazerac. <laughs> mine are not raised bumps, but they are enlarged. And if I ask him to just just burn a hole in me, will that get rid of it? Oh no, ma'am. So if you if you look at your face, every um, every little pore um, is actually a hair follicle. You may not see those little baby fine hairs, but every single pore on your face has a hair follicle. Below it is attached an oil gland, and so there is no way for us to know in the future which of your oil glands is going to decide to become a little more prominent. So I don't think burning a hole will do the <laughs> trick. So there's no hope. Well, the hope the hope is that um, you know you could um, you know obviously that there is a treatment for it when they do arise. You know, it's something I haven't really tried much, but for you at your kind of level of frustration with the Tazerac not helping, chemical peels probably would be an option because we know that can affect the oil glands in a positive way. Um, I would assume that they would need to be done on a regular basis, though. Um, because your your skin is just going to have that tendency to go back and do what it it's prone to doing. Okay. What about microneedling? Uh, microneedling is is a fabulous treatment um, that we we offer at Magnolia Dermatology. It's called Skin Pen, um, and what it actually does is create tiny channels in the skin that heal your body heals those little channels back with new collagen and new elastin so the main purpose for microneedling is to tighten skin to help shrink pores and to combat you know fine lines and wrinkles so um, as a collagen stimulating treatment it is really good i would not make promises that it's going to have a um you know a, a lasting effect on your oil glands though well, I have had that done twice, and I have had seen improvement in the smaller pores. Some right. Some of them have actually disappeared. But these ones that have been there since time began and are really large, it hasn't had that much effect. But I've only had it done twice. And uh, if anyone's out there that uh, would be, it, it, to me, it was a really good treatment. It really helped. It sure. helped more than a lot of the other things I've tried, you know. Sure. So, um, 
it's a new, you know, it's a new therapy, and so I'm giving it a try, and so far I'm happy with it. Sure, I I would say almost 100 percent probably of patients. I I don't think I've ever had a dissatisfied patient with skin pen. Everyone feels that their skin has a better appearance, a smoother appearance, and um, that's just something everyone's looking for. And the fact that it has such a short downtime as well. You know, typically you come in. Put the numbing on, have the treatment done, takes about 30 minutes. You're going to look pretty red right away, kind of like a strawberry right away. And then that fades to kind of a light sunburn the next day. You can wear makeup and then go on about your business. So I agree with you. It's a fabulous treatment. Right. And you will, at least this last one, I felt like I had a really bad sunburn the next day. Mm-hmm. But by the third day, it was, it was fine. Back to so. normal. Yeah. And that's in our busy lives. That's about all the time we have time for is just to <laughs> get a, right. a good quick treatment in. We sell those in packages of four and do it about a month apart for a series for the best results. So mm-hmm. that, that has given our patients a good result. Okay. And thank you, you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your call. So we're talking today about skin and any issues that you may have. We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 So back to skin cancer. Melanoma is um, the biggest one I think everybody is probably more familiar with, unless you have skin cancers yourself. Um because it's the one we always hear about, unfortunately. So tell us a little bit about what we can do to prevent melanoma. Perfect. Yeah, so this is important. Um, I have a couple tips for you, and, and they are really just common sense tips. But if you take them to heart and you follow this advice, you really can dramatically decrease your risk. Because we do know that the number one risk factor for melanoma is UV sun exposure. So just too much sun on your skin. So number one would be to seek shade. Um, The peak hours of sun are going to be between 10 and 2. So if if you're a walker, you you like to ride bikes, whatever your outdoor activity is, I always tell my patients, I do not want you to be a couch potato. (laughs) That's not good and that's not healthy. But at the same time, the skin you're in now is the skin that has to last you your entire life up into those 7th and 8th decades. And so taking care of it as you when you're a young adult, even kid and teenager, we're talking about that today, but especially young adult and midlife, just taking good care in these precautions will go so far to help your skin to be healthy and to avoid these skin cancers, particularly melanoma. So there's the shade, protective clothing, um, you know, we're going to talk about sunscreen, but pe- some people complain about it. So if you can't tolerate sunscreen, and I'll say my husband is a, is one of those, <laughs> although he does it for me. Um, if if that bothers you, you you just can wear long sleeves. You know there are new fabric technologies that can help keep you cool, even though you've got extra clothing on. So some of those companies are um, Coolabar. Coolabar, you can Google, and and they have really good uh, sun protective clothing. Another one is called Solumbra, S-O-L-U-M-B-R-A, also an online company. But I've found even at Dix or Academy, if you Mm -hmm. especially go to, like, the fishing section, they're going to have good lightweight long sleeve clothes you can buy, Um, a broad brim hat. Really, I say as broad a brim as you can (laughs) handle because that is so much better than a ball cap. You know, I'm kind of happy when patients will wear a ball cap for me, but I really prefer the broader brim because for men, it covers their ears, shades their neck and the sides of the face, which I I just always am finding skin cancers where the baseball cap didn't cover enough um, for sun protection. Um, Avoiding tanning beds. you know, this is, is so, so important, and we've just learned a lot over the last couple of decades as, as the rates of melanoma have climbed, especially in young women. Um, you know, the research has shown over and over that tanning beds are just so bad for causing those moles that we have and, and different things to to mutate and change and, and can become a melanoma, which is one of the saddest stories you can hear is a, a young woman or a young mom um, developing a melanoma. And we just, we want to prevent that by keeping our kids and teenagers. Now that, you know, if you're a parent and you've got that high school girl and she's a cheerleader or she's on dance team or whatever, and she wants to be, 
dark and tan like some of her friends may easily get, um, encourage her maybe to try a self tanner. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually carry those in the clinic now, <laughs> one called Fake Bake. Okay, so, uh, you know, we just would rather you use a, a tan in a bottle, which they're so much better than they used to be, less orange, less smell, and um, really can just kind of give you just a little bit of color for fair skin patients or really any teenagers to avoid that tanning bed and really um, prevent that higher risk that you get of melanoma by tanning um, with that. So, yeah, those are some great tips. And I was telling her if, when I think about I used to go to the tanning bed, I think we all did growing up. And now it just like, oh, it makes me cringe just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I um, use self-tanner now. So mm-hmm. that it definitely is. They've come a long way, like you said. So mm-hmm. definitely please avoid the tanning beds. We've got another caller. It's Tiffany. Yes. What's going on today? Uh, well, I'm hoping that you can um, recommend a skincare regimen. I had just got in my car, so I just caught the end of the um, product that you were speaking of that's sold in the four pack that um, in three days your skin is back to normal. But I want to know, is that a great product for brown skin women? Okay, great. I love that question. We we see a lot of all skin types at our clinic. It's um, Magnolia Dermatology in Clinton, and we have a website, you know, for you to kind of go to if you want to look into that more. It's called magnoliaderm.org, or if you Alrighty. Google us, um, we'll pop right up. It's me, Dr. Christy Hurt, uh, my associate, Dr. Patrick Bowler, and then we have a physician assistant, Hannah Long, that works there with us, and I have a full-time esthetician so she would be great for you to come in and sit down or any of us would love to go into lots of detail with you about that but the treatment that we are just discussing as you came on is actually not a product it's a procedure done in the office it's called skin pen and it's also called microneedling but it's a procedure that helps stimulate collagen and um, smooth the skin and it is safe for all skin types Um, and it's safe to do uh, year-round there are some lasers we have that you can't do during the summer months but skin pen is is a year-round procedure that we offer um as far as skincare regimen quickly i know we don't have time to (laughs) i I could really go on and on this is a passion of mine but uh quickly um even for darker skin types i tell all my patients um you're you want to keep your skin tone even and so wearing a moisturizer with sunscreen in it every single day is going to help prevent the sun from darkening certain parts of the skin and um, so that's that's number one. Typically, the number two would be a night cream that has either got retinol or a retinoid of some sort, which uh, retinoids medicines are prescription strength and retinol is more of an over the counter strength. Um, and those type of uh, creams or medicines help the skin turn over faster. And so the skin has a fresher, smoother, more even look to it also can build some collagen over time to help with anti-aging as well. So those two things would be just the the very bottom line basic skincare regimen for you. Awesome. And the retinoids, um, you all can provide the prescription in the office? We do. We do. Absolutely. So um, again, I, I am in Clinton on Highway 80. We do accept insurance. And um, I'll I'll give you our number real quick if you're interested. It's um, 601-910-3004. But the name of our clinic is Magnolia Dermatology. We'd we'd love to see you. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and those retinoids, they can dry your face out, too. So that's one thing to be aware of absolutely um, that that's why we you know every single patient that comes in we kind of look at their skin type and try to recommend the one that's going to fit best for them yeah. you're absolutely right about yes, that i've experienced that myself <laughs> so i know that but um but they are great products and mm-hmm. uh, like you said the retinols a lot of them you can get over the counter sure. and which is nice too for aging but now um there are so many products that you can get over the counter too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like um, I was, my sister was asking me what I recommended, and so we went out shopping with her over the counter. And I mean, the options are endless now. It's almost too many options, it is. right? <laughs> it so it's um, really overwhelming. Yeah, you know, they, some of those prescription or over the counter ingredients are good, but it really does matter how it how mm-hmm. it's packaged, and right. you know, sometimes. 
you'll grab a vitamin C, but vitamin C is an acid that has to be in just the right vehicle to mm-hmm. be stable. And so you could potentially be wasting your money by buying something if it's chemically degraded by the time yeah. you put it on your skin. Yeah. So, um, you know, we carry a line called Revision that I've been very pleased with over the years. Um, that I, it is it is skincare. It's not prescription, but we carry it there in the office. And the head chemist is a female, and she's um, just brilliant. And when I hear her speak, she's so interested in the health of the skin and uh, long term keeping you know keeping your skin looking good. Um, I'm just very thankful we have that line because I think every product in it is is worth it. Okay. So. All right, we've got a few more callers, so we'll go next to Pam. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I was interested in the skin pen. I have severe acne scarring. I had cyst acne when I was a teenager, and it wasn't until I took Accutane when it first came out that it finally stopped the cyst acne. But when the, the acne would go away, I have got deep scarring. And I've heard about the skin pen, but I want to make sure that that's something that will really help heal the scarring instead of making the scarring worse. Because at one time I did do laser treatment, and it just really made the situation worse as far as I was concerned. And I don't want to spend money for this if it's not going to really help the scarring. Mm -hmm. It's deep. I mean, if you look at my face, you can see where the cysts were and when they went away, the deepness in the area where it was. So I really would like to know if the skin pen would really be something that would help that or is it just going to make it worse? Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your call. Absolutely. So another question near and dear to my heart, because I also took Accutane as a teenager and had some acne scarring as a result of having that severe acne. And one of my favorite things to do in clinic is to take those young kids and teenagers from that that place of really self-conscious severe acne to clear skin with that medicine. Um, but yes, sometimes we're left with the scarring. Skin pen is a good treatment option for you. I would love to, you know, see you or you you see a board certified dermatologist that could really evaluate the depth of your scarring um, because I would want to give you uh, appropriate advice specifically for you. But in general, we have treated those patients and it just takes a little longer or more treatments because the improvement is going to be gradual. But because you're building your own collagen from the treatments, it is more long lasting and natural as well. So um, I would I would just kind of start off by saying you might need two packages. It may take more like eight treatments to help that skin to rebuild from underneath. And if you do the skin pen there or the microneedling and you do it every month, how how can you do eight in a row, like eight months in a row, or do you need to take a break? How does that work? You could. You could do it all in a row, um, as some people do take a break. So there's no you know, set f- recipe you have to follow because the collagen building process is continuing for several months after each treatment. So as you continue to do them, it's just continuing to stimulate, mm-hmm. and you'll continue to improve even a few months after you've stopped. Awesome. And most patients... Um, I don't know, say most, a lot of patients after they finish that first series or second series, they give it a little time off, but maybe come back for a maintenance once or twice a year or as often as they feel like they need to kind of maintain their good results. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll go next to Frank. What's going on today? Well, I just wanted to tell you all about my skin pen experience. Some years ago, I decided I was tired of all these acne scars I had on my face and neck. And I saw a dermatologist and asked what she could do about them. And she said, well, we have this skin pen thing, and uh, it will take those things right out. And it sure did. I think I had had three treatments plus a skin peel. Mm -hmm. And I am way better looking than I used to be. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine. The scars are pretty much gone. Yeah. I, I used to have a really bad one on my neck, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and I can't see it anymore. That's great. Uh, I don't have any before and after pictures or anything, but I, I do look a lot better than I used to. I just wholeheartedly recommend it to that lady that called earlier about sure. it. It's it's just a great thing. Okay. That's well, thank awesome. You. We're glad to hear that good, a, good experience. Well, there's a little bit of pain associated with it, but once you push the numbing agent, uh, mm-hmm. it's not so bad. 
Right. And that just get, testifies to the, the depth that it's actually penetrating, and it has to be done yeah, in the physician's right. office, my, and topical my, numbing had, is, is required. That's right. Mm-hmm. I had some deep ones on my neck, around my jaw, mm-hmm. and it, it did a, she, she had a, she had a lot of fun getting that one. <laughs> it was it was like she hovered over it for a while, right? Putting those needles in there, but right. it works. Uh-huh. It's a great treatment. I mean, I, like I say, I'm a lot better looking than I used to be. Oh, I can imagine. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us, and hopefully that'll help some people that are listening. I hope so. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for your Thank call. You. We're talking today about skin. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll go next to Mikey. What's going on today? Uh, good morning, um, gardening. While I got the last few days of lower humidity yeah. in Mobile, um, uh, and so part of what I have to ask about is, I mean, obviously the unscented things that are out there. The, the role of perfumes, um, I, I do right now, have before me in a coffee cup right now two gloriously scented gardenias. Um, but perfumes on my skin are not a good thing. And uh, particularly if I am working outside um, and, and the more deep woods areas especially, the more bugs just love you. <laughs> and not in a way that you want them to. <laughs> um, so... Other than cider vinegar put on things, I mean, there's it, there's nothing that's attractive about having a bunch of mosquito welts or, or other, you know, welts on your skin, especially on your face, you know, but anywhere, uh, not to mention just uncomfortable. Other than putting a little cider vinegar on something to try to detoxify it as soon as possible, uh, and why are there so many perfumes in all of the sunscreen type things? That's a good question, Um, and you're very insightful. Perfumes in most, um, you know, lotions, soaps, detergents, really anything that gets on our skin, perfumes are uh, kind of artificially created with chemicals, and so softeners. Yeah, yeah. So yes, we all want our clothes to just have that lovely, lovely smell. But if you are a patient who has sensitive skin. Um, anything with a strong fragrance has a potential to cause some irritation or even some allergy um, type response. And so that's one of the things we tell patients with eczema or just um, contact dermatitis, other things that are sensitive skin patients just to avoid those fragrances. Um, As far as sunscreens go, I do think probably looking for what we talked about earlier in the show, a sunscreen that has those physical blockers, zinc, um, and titanium dioxide because that they tend to remove a lot of the fragrance from those if they're made for sensitive skin. Baby stuff, right? Look in the baby aisle? The baby aisle. Um, you know, Aveeno and Neutrogena um, both have some good kind of, or they it may be called a mineral sunscreen. That's kind of a, a term that they're using now because that refers to the zinc or the titanium. Um, oh, but, right, right. Right. So it, it may say all natural or mineral sunscreen. Um, you flip it to the back and make sure the active ingredients only say zinc or titanium. Um, and, and we carry a line called Elta MD sunscreen that's very zinc based. Mm-hmm. And th- another good thing about zinc is that it's broad spectrum. So it covers UVA and UVB, which is an important um, key factor for sunscreen as well. Yeah, because even in the shade, you can get, you know, you can get a burn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Doctor. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for calling. We're talking today about skin and skin issues, and we've got a little time left, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll go next to Craig. What's going on hey, today, mo- Craig? Hey, good morning. Uh I was wondering if there's collagen you could put on your skin and if you can have a special diet that helps your skin. 
Yeah, there are all those collagen supplements now that I see that you can do. Yeah, that that is a great question. I think to date, the science and research is really not there yet to to prove that those things are helpful. Um, I, in fact, I had a patient yesterday taking collagen. I said, "Are you noticing a difference?" She said, "Not really." Yeah. Um, you know, that may be something in the future, but as far as ingesting collagen for it to get you know, truly from your GI tract to your skin, that's a bit of a stretch because collagen is a protein that your skin makes. Mm-hmm. And it's also in bones and cartilage and other things as well. Um, as it, you know, and collagen directly on the skin also has really n- not been shown to be helpful in any formulations that I'm aware of. And most of the time we formulate ingredients in skincare that that penetrate through the skin. That's that's the number one thing because our skin is made to be a barrier. Mm-hmm. And so products have to actually make it through to the deeper part of the skin, the, the dermis, to make a difference um, as far as building collagen. So putting collagen on the outside, um, I don't think it's really, it, it's too big of a protein to really penetrate through. Okay. But we do have other things, like we talked about the retinoid prescription medicines, um, certain anti-aging creams that have peptides that are small enough to penetrate that signal your skin to make collagen. So there, there are ways to build collagen, um, uh, like I mentioned, with, with skin care procedures. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks sure. for your call. We'll go next to Cindy. Thanks for calling today. Yeah, hi. I wanted to ask you, when I was very young, I had a tumor in my chest wall, and it was removed, and it formed something called the keloid, and it made a thick scar, and so I've never been able to wear, like, a low cut. I'm self-conscious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything in about, oh, 40 years ago, they injected cortisone, I think, into it to soften it a little Mm -hmm. is there anything that can be done that's that's a great question um we do treat keloids at our office um in clinton magnolia dermatology and dr bowler actually does quite a bit of it um you know that the remedy that you had before the intralesional or injected kinolog it done correctly and maybe done repeatedly often does a very nice job of smoothing and softening keloids, particularly if they're itchy or painful. Um, I've seen great results with that. But he sometimes does excisions of them, followed by more injections to keep the keloid from reforming. Um, sometimes we refer for actually a little bit of radiation um, to kind of tame that keloid back down. Uh, and then finally, there's a, is a topical prescription medicine called a miquamod that um, has been used off-label for keloids as well. So there probably are some new treatment options since you were last seen, and which just kind of need to be reevaluated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and can't repeat the name of your clinic again? Sure. It's called Magnolia Dermatology, and the website is magnoliaderm.org. Okay. Um, and the, the phone number is 601-910-3004. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So I feel like keloids is a, a big thing that can cause, can be very frustrating. So what could you do if you know you're prone to keloid, mm-hmm. like developing a keloid with a procedure? Mm-hmm. What would you tell somebody that they could do to try to prevent it from getting so severe? Right. So uh, first of all, avoid unnecessary yeah. procedures. Yeah. So a lot of these patients have gotten it from a piercing of some sort sometimes, or it could be a surgical scar. Obviously, if you need surgery, you need surgery. Mm-hmm. But I would say to come in with a dermatologist and either pre-treat with the Kinolog injections or get in soon after within you know two to four weeks probably to start um, maybe some injections to prevent that. Oh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll go next to Debbie. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I have a question. I'm olive-toned, and I've spent most of my life outdoors. Um, and just over the last couple of years, I've had tiny little irregular-shaped red dots show up all over. And some of them I can feel and other ones are, you know, smooth to the touch, but they're not, you know, just a little round like a little mole or something. And I was wondering if you'd come across anything like that. 
Well, sure, sure. It sounds like I'm always cautious to give skin advice over the radio because my most important sense is my sight. Um, so seeing things is, is really the best way to diagnose them. But if they are what are the most common type of small red low lesion or growth on the body, it's going to be what we call an angioma, which is just a tiny little growth of capillaries or tiny blood vessels. Very, very common and, and never causes skin cancer. Um, however, I'd be a little cautious to make sure it's not some other form of sun damage, uh, precancerous or something like that. So, um, you know, probably, it, you know, if you're, uh, I'd say over 50, um, it's a good yeah. idea to go ahead and get a baseline skin check. And if you do come in for that, a lot of times I can look at the skin and tell you, you know, how are you doing compared to your peers and how often do you need to be checked and what are some things, you know, for you to be looking for to help you out for the future? Wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for calling. And we'll go now to Catherine. Catherine? Hello. Hey, yeah. What's going on okay. today? Okay, so um, I am pretty much allergic to life. Um, <laughs> I'm allergic to different types of, of skin treatments. I know that I'm allergic to sunscreen, and something about the heat makes my skin like react really crazy in the summertime to where I swell up. I get little bumps like all over my face and my arms, and then I usually end up in the hospital. Um, all of that being said, I want to start using um, like facial cleansers, um, but I'm just so scared of, like, using moisturizers and things because most of those things have um, sunscreen in it, and I know for a fact that I'm allergic to that. So I was wondering if you had any tips of um, things that I could use to help my skin that don't have um, the SPF in it. Sure. Well, it sounds like you do need a dermatologist, you know. Um, <laughs> your your skin sounds very sensitive, and if you're breaking out that much, you probably could use some prescription, you know, creams and things to help you calm those those um, flares up. But as far as just over-the-counter products, I'll, I'll tell you um, three different ones. So for most eczema patients or skin sensitive skin patients, I love the moisturizer called CeraVe with a C. Um, CeraVe, they make a variety of cleansers and moisturizers, but typically I recommend the large moisturizer cream that comes in a big jar. Um, creams are always thicker than lotions, and they stay on better and moisturize better. Um, another good brand is usually close by the CeraVe at Walmart or Kroger, wherever you shop. It is called Cetaphil, also with a C. So um, both of those brands, highly recommended by most dermatologists and for the average sensitive skin patient does great now you may not you may be more sensitive than the average sensitive skin patient it sounds like so for you you may need to seek out a pharmacy and look for a line called um, vanna cream okay with a v vanna cream they will list on there they have removed every possible irritating or allergic causing ingredient um, that you could possibly remove in their products. They make a cleansing, uh, like a bar soap. They make a, a lotion cream with no sunscreen in it. Um, and they do make some sunscreens, but um, those are a little bit harder to find. So you may have to ask the pharmacist, where is the Vanna cream? And, um, but they are probably the most basic skincare that you could find. Okay. And lastly, would you suggest do you know of um, any dermatologist on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that I could make um, seek treatment from? Oh, I, I wish I did. If you hadn't put me on the spot, I probably could come up with some names. Um, okay. I, I can't think of any right offhand. I, I'm originally from Alabama. I married a Clinton boy, and we moved <laughs> back to Clinton. Um and I trained for dermatology down in New Orleans, so I know a lot of folks in Louisiana. Um, but, uh, you know, just just my advice would be to just make sure that it's a board-certified dermatologist and that um, can help you know that you're going to have someone with good training. Okay, 
I wish I would have known about you when I was in Jackson. I used to live in Jackson. Oh, <laughs> yeah. now down here on the coast. Oh, well, we, if you want to come up here, we'll see you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, My pleasure. Thanks for your call. So we've got a few minutes left, and so I wanted to kind of go back to the the melanoma. Um, what? Because we kind of have a little mnemonic we can go by that we tell patients to look for signs and symptoms that could mean that you have potentially have a uh, melanoma and need to go get checked out. So what would you tell patients to look for when they see? Because I mean, I get a lot of moles and skin spots, and so it's kind of hard when you have so many. What should you be looking for? Great, great question. I'm glad that we got to talk about this because it's really, really important. So um, moles come on in childhood and teenage years and your early 20s and 30s, but they really should come and establish their color, their shape, and their size. So once once they're there, they should not be growing, they should not be changing color, and they should not have a different shape than they used to have. So being aware of the moles on your body is really important. And um, that means checking between the toes and on the bottoms of your feet. And in your hair. And in your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, all of these places can grow moles mm-hmm. and um, in hard to look for places if they do change. Um, sometimes they're caught later and melanoma in those locations like the bottoms of the feet between the toes often is more progressed when mm-hmm. it's caught. Um, but the signs we're looking for are called the ABCDE of melanoma. Um, the first one is A for asymmetry. Moles should be either round or oval, and they should not be kind of different side to side. The second one is B for borders, which kind of goes along with that. They shouldn't have scallopy or irregular jagged type borders. That indicates growth outward and could be a sign that it's melanoma, early melanoma, or tending to become that. Um, Third one is color. So as I mentioned, they should have a color that's the same throughout. If it's darker shade, one side to the other, that could be a sign of a change. Um, Or certainly if it develops a dark black color, redness, um, you know, just multicolor within the same mole is, is, is sometimes a warning sign. Um, the third one, D, is for diameter. And it, the diameter we're kind of talking about is six millimeters, about the size of a pencil eraser, which I always qualify this. Not every larger mole is melanoma and not every small mole. You know, you can have a melanoma smaller than that. However, most melanomas at the time of diagnosis are, are bigger than pencil eraser. So just watch those bigger moles or have them checked and then e for evolving which means changing over time and that's basically what we just talked about yeah and some of those like you can get on your back or your head so always make sure you have somebody checking for those places that you can't always see mm-hmm. thank you so much dr hurt for coming on with us today thank and you. thank you everybody for calling we had some wonderful calls and questions and um, if you have any other questions you can always email us at kids at mpbonline.org and we'll get back to you This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show is engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.